Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. I am Lana Reed, and welcome to another week of Don't Box Me In. Today, I get the opportunity to share a powerful and courageous story of surviving divorce, child custody battles, and postpartum depression. Megan Cyrileski has endured life battles that would would have probably permanently broken many of us. I'm just so amazed that she's here today, but not only here today, but standing strong and with a positive outlook. Megan's story is what it's all about here at Don't Box Me In. That, that determination of the human spirit to live, not only live, but thrive beyond your circumstances. It is with pleasure that I welcome her to the show today. Megan, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Hi, thank you for the intro. That was really nice. Oh, <laughs> I'm really no, glad my, to be talking to you. <laughs> likewise, likewise. So did I pronounce your last name correctly? Yes, you did. Perfect. Oh, uh, amazing me. Go me. Go me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking like, okay, I know I'm going to mess it up. I know I'm going to mess it up. No, okay. it was spot on. <laughs> okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. So um, I want to start off by saying that I took the time to read every single page of your book. And um, Thank you. Me, me being as politically correct as possible, it is such a well documented, emotional, page-turning piece of work that you have there. Let me say that. I I found myself, you know, mad, frustrated. I mean, I was was there with you as you were going through it. So, I mean, you know, it's just an awesome story, an awesome story that you, um, you have written there. So, kudos, pats on the back, right off the bat, just kudos and pats on the back to you. Thank you so much for that. That really means a lot. (laughs) How long have you been writing? Um, this is my first book that's coming out. Okay, okay. Yeah. It's so well, I mean, have you written stuff before? Because it's just so well put together. Um, I've always kind of been dabbling with writing, um, but I, you know, life got in the way a little bit, and I had to, you know, pay some bills and get a job. um, (laughs) Yeah, we all know those, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, but, you know, everyone told me that I should, I should write my story down and, I, you know, that's exactly what I, I like to hear is what you just said, that people find themselves immersed in the story because it's so raw and so emotional. And, you know, I write exactly how I talk. So I'm sure you caught the little, like, sarcasm now and then in the book. Yes, <laughs> yes. But, yeah, that was the only way I knew how to write it was raw. I mean, it's very raw and getting in there. So. Like I said, it's just... It's, it's so everyday relatable. I mean, like I said, your, your tone of your writing is just, it's something that everybody can get into. And I, I mean, it's just, it's just such a page turner and I'm, I'm just like, wow, wow. Um, but me me and you, we have, or you and I, let me be correct to English. You you and Mm -hmm. I have a lot of ground, um, to talk about today, you know, with the marriage and divorce, the pregnancy and all of that stuff. Um, let me start off with, um, you tell me who was Megan before all of this started to happen before you met Tyler, what type of woman were you? Um, I was, you know, in my middle 20s, I think a little, (laughs) and still naive, Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, had some growing up too, I was very independent, Um, you know, I wasn't really looking for love before I met him, and, um, you know, I was just having fun with life. Okay, okay. Yeah. 
and your relationships with men before Tyler, do you think reflecting back they were healthy or, you know, were you making bad choices even back then or what? Um, you know, to be honest, I didn't really date a lot. You know, okay. I had, you know, my my high school sweetheart who was, you know, fantastic, but we were also yeah. 17. So, uh, okay. you know, I mean, and then I had, gosh, I think I only had like one serious relationship in between high school and marriage. Okay. And, um, yeah, and he was okay. He was actually married to one of my close friends. So, ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he was pretty, he, we, we just weren't a match, obviously, because he was not <laughs> my friends. You know, and I just got through talking to a friend about that today. You know, a lot of times we run across good people in life, but they're just not good for us. It doesn't negate the fact that that is a good person. But, you know, so it's totally understandable, you know, there that, you know, it just for whatever reasons, it doesn't work out, you know, so everybody moves on to their their fit for them. Um, Right. Mm -hmm. So you hadn't had that many um, relationships. And then so you were... um, so then you meet Tyler. How old were you met when right. you met Tyler? I was 26, I believe. Yeah, 26, about to turn 27. So, you know, getting to the point in my life where pretty much if I was going to date someone, I was going to think, is this the person that I'm going to marry? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I was kind of around that age, I guess. A lot of my friends were getting married. You know, I kind of guess I had a little bit of envy going on. Gotcha, gotcha. Everybody else is doing it. I'm here stuck. I'm close to 30. You know, I should be making some moves here. Okay, gotcha. So, Mm -hmm. Tyler, Tyler, from the beginning, though, Tyler was Mm -hmm. a very interesting man to get involved with. Um, If I read the story correct, he was kind of involved somewhere remotely through a friend of yours or something like that? Yeah, very interesting. So, he was involved with um, my friends who was actually uh, friends with my brother way back in high school. Okay. And he was engaged to her, and she was actually friends with my roommate. So um, so we knew of each other kind of through my brother way back when, and then through my roommate. And then they broke up, Tyler, and, you know, my friend broke up. And um, about, you know, a month later, uh, he came over to a party that my roommate and I were having, and, and we talked and kind of hit it off, and it, it went from there. So right away, you just broke the unspoken girl code because, you know, I guys. did. <laughs> I guys. did. I really, okay. Yeah, you know, at the time, um, you know, my my excuse kind of was, well, you know, we don't really know each other that well. We're just kind of uh-huh. friends with friends with friends. So, And I couldn't understand, like, my roommate was upset and other people were. And I was definitely, you know, blind to that. I broke the girl code. But we have made up sense, and we go to the spa <laughs> okay. every year. So okay. every year on Labor Day weekend, we have a spa resort weekend. So we're okay. good now. Right. Okay. okay, cool. So I'm curious, mm-hmm. though, I mean, and before we get into the whole Tyler story, I mean, mm-hmm. don't tell it all. But, you know, when this female that Tyler used to date found out that you were dating, she didn't even yeah. give you any of the tap on the shoulder like, psst, psst, let me tell you something. She never kind of said, no, Megan, you shouldn't be going this direction. Oh, no, they tried. My roommate tried, she tried, and I just wasn't listening to them. Uh, you know, and, and I've got Tyler over there telling me the opposite. And okay. this is the man that I'm falling in love with, so who am I going to listen to? I'm going to okay. listen to him. Who should I have listened to? Well, my friend. Gotcha, <laughs> so, gotcha. Okay, so yeah. that's, she, even though you broke the girl code, she still was trying to help you out in the process. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. okay, good friend for her. Okay. Right, exactly. Um, so let's let's talk about 
Tyler, um, mm-hmm. when you guys were dating, um, what was your, that you can recall, what was your first indication that Tyler had some issues? Um, I think it was, you know, he, he would uh, get mad at, at the little things, just, mm-hmm. you know, stupid stuff like, hey, you know, could you do the dishes tonight or what have you? And, and he would throw what I used to call a temper tantrum and just mm-hmm. like storm around the house and yell and then walk out and leave for like a couple hours over, you know, something so minute. So I was, mm-hmm. I was like, this is, so I just thought, you know, okay, well, he's got some anger issues. I mean, he, he clearly knew that he had anger issues, but that's what I thought all it was. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and so that's what I believed myself at the time. I was like, okay, well, we can fix this. And we did premarital counseling and everything. And okay. Yeah, you thought you could fix them. I mean, number one mistake that exactly. a lot of a lot of lot of women make when it comes oh, yeah. to a man. Um, let me backtrack real quick. So before you met Tyler, though, you were you were college educated, uh, career established type female, correct? Before you met Tyler, right. yeah, I and, went to um, you know college, got my undergrad degree, got my bachelor's degree, and I worked in the nonprofit sector for about eight years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So generally speaking, we have this tendency to think that, you know, very educated women on top of their game can't fall acceptable to these type of men. Um, And I do want to point out that Tyler is probably a very different caliber class of, I mean, you know, he really wasn't, Mm -hmm. he didn't come from your same background. Am am I understanding that correctly? Right, exactly. I mean, we, you know, I grew up in a very affluent city here in Michigan, and um, even though you know, he actually went to my high school too. However, he was—he dropped out of high school and he lost his grade. Um, his family, you know, I mean, he came, you know, from a divorced family, which isn't bad. But his—he lived with his dad, who was very questionable with some of the things he did. So it was a very—you know—we lived in the same city, but it was—it could have been worlds apart. It was very, very different. Okay. Okay. So different different kind yeah. of guy um right. and you know sometimes women you know they kind of like the bad boy thing we kind of get sucked into that and right. you know, it bites exactly. us in the butt later on down the line but okay oh yeah i'm a walking cliche <laughs> i'll tell you that right now i'm a walking cliche i know all your readers are probably like oh here she goes you know she broke the girl code she you know listened to him i mean believe me believe me <laughs> i know okay. i know what i did <laughs> okay and you know we don't want to be like totally totally bash Tyler here so tell me no, what no, no, is no. it what is it that you liked about Tyler in in the relationship um, I very much fell in love with him and and definitely you know I didn't you know write the book to bash him or anything and uh no I mean it's like you know a, a friend of mine says at the best that when Tyler is good he is very very good he makes you laugh like you've never laughed before mm-hmm. I mean, he just made me feel very comfortable. You know, I have anxiety disorder, and that never bothered him. Um, you know, I mean, he was just so much fun to hang around. You just wanted to be around him because he was so just dynamic. But then, Life you know, of the party. Says, exactly. But my son oh. says, you know, when he's bad, he's really bad. And unfortunately, that outweighs the good. But, you know, we, had, we took some trips somewhere that were just so much fun and fantastic. So, you know, he really... He really can be a good person. He really can be. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you guys started to date. Um, how long right. did you guys date before it became serious? Like we're going to get married. Oh my God. We got engaged after like nine months of dating. I moved in wow. after 
Yeah, well, I moved in with him, I think, after five months of dating, and I had never lived with a man before. I always lived, you know, with girl roommates, my friends. Mm-hmm. So, and, yeah, I moved in with him after five months, got engaged after nine, and married, you know, a year later. So Amazing. Was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Oh, and I'm yeah. assuming you're going into a blinders on, like, this is going to be a relationship like my mom and dad had, and it's just oh, going to be yeah. this wonderful thing. And, wow, what a surprise we were in for. Oh, yeah. I mean, my parents have been married. Uh, it will be 44 years this year. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely thought, oh, you know, I'm going to go into this marriage. And, I mean, you know, he was really, you know, Tyler was very good around, you know, people. And my parents really liked him. And, um, you know, I mean, we were planning the wedding and having fun. And it was like right after the wedding, yeah, that's when reality struck. <laughs> like, oh, um, wow. Right. So, <laughs> so he kind of, um, and, and like I said, I, I have privileged knowledge because I did read the book. So right. it's it's right after the wedding that um, it became like, oh, Megan, maybe I made a mistake here. Correct? It, yes. It was right after the wedding. Uh, a couple weeks later, on our way to the honeymoon, we delayed our honeymoon because I had some responsibilities at work. And, uh, you know, our, our family was very generous to us at the wedding. And we ended up, you know, receiving $6,000, you know, with you know, checks and cash for gifts. And uh, I remember, you know, we're on our way to the airport because we're going to Puerto Vallarta for our honeymoon, and we stopped at the bank and to get some money out, and the bank said we had a negative balance of 300 mm. And I'm like, wait, we just put $6,000 in the bank. Like, what are you mm-hmm. talking about? Well, that's when I learned that Eric, uh, Tyler was in debt about $60,000. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I was like, oh, that's not... Good. So yeah. that was right before we were leaving for our honeymoon. So, um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So you didn't even do the, you know, let let me sit down and determine what your financial health is before we even get married. You had none of those conversations. No, we did. We did. And that's uh-huh. why it just completely blew me away because I had no idea. I had no idea. You know, I mean, we... We decided on, you know, the separate bank accounts until we got married. Uh-huh. And then, you know, we would join our bank accounts. So, you know, I mean, he would tell me one thing and, you know, do another because I didn't know what he was, you know, I knew what he was making. I didn't know. I, I knew the bills that he told me he was paying. He didn't okay. tell me all the credit card debt he was in. He hid that very well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tyler is a doozy. Tyler is a doozy. Oh, All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Megan. We are going to take our uh, first commercial break today. Stay tuned. I will be right back right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Don't Box Me In. I am your host, Lana Reed. Today, I am with Megan Sureleski, author of Who Am I? How My Daughter Taught Me to Let Go and Live Again. And right before the commercial break, we were um, starting to get into her uh, new marriage to uh, Mr. Tyler, and and we were talking about her first eye-opening experience with uh, how this might not be the the dream fantasy uh, marriage that girls go into believing they're going to have um 
And you were talking about how you went to, you guys are getting ready to go on your honeymoon and you go to the bank to make the um, withdrawal so you guys can go. And you realize that you guys are, you're negative on the bank account and Tyler has, I believe, $60,000 in debt. Um, what happens then? That moment, I'm like, am I going to be mad for the next, you know, two weeks that we were going to spend with each other? Um, you know, it's like I, I called up my parents and, you know, thank God they were there and, and they were able to give us, you know, some money for the honeymoon. And, you know, I mean, we went, we went and we had a good time. And when we came back, we didn't really talk about it that much. It was, mm. I, I just, you know, I made them sit down with me and show me the bills, but... I mean, you know, it's, it is what it is. You know, I think <laughs> at that point, I kind of felt a little, I guess, stupid because I believed them. Okay. So I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe that was just a, a bump in the road and then we'll see what happens. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to still try to work this out. And um, mm-hmm. so did things get better after the honeymoon? Um, I don't know if you would say better. I think we were just like kind of complacent for a while and then you know there, there would be some more bumps in the road you know he you know I had a bonus at work and you know he stole that money to buy a guitar you know mm. and it was just right and then you know some more of his you know anger issues would come up and he would get you know mad and and you know it's it's at that time, you know, I wasn't very happy in my career, so I kind of wanted to switch careers, too. So, you know, I mean, it was just a lot of, it was, it was a lot of complacency, I guess, on my part, which okay. I was like, you know what, I just don't even want to rock the boat anymore. I'm just going to go along and sail here and just kind of keep quiet. And, you know, from what I've read of you and and mm-hmm. the the Megan before and even the Megan who's going through this whole process, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of spirit, there's a lot of fight, there's a lot of kick in this Megan that I'm I'm getting. So it's very yeah. interesting to hear that this one particular man uh, really made you so complacent. Oh, I know. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I completely changed when I got, when I was married to him, you know, my friends, you know, tell me that I just, I definitely wasn't the same person. I wasn't outgoing anymore. I wasn't outspoken. You know, I was more of an introvert. I just want to stay at home all the time. You know, I didn't stick up to him at all. Um, it was definitely, you know, a, a complete change to the person I was. And it happened in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And, and looking back now, I still can't believe that it happened so fast. Yeah. After I got married. Wow. So, did you disconnect with family and friends during your marriage, or did you have some sort of, you know, outside support saying, you know, come on, Megan, come back to us? Mm-hmm. No, I uh, I kept quiet about everything, okay. which is definitely something that you know people read my book or who hear me, you know, I don't want you guys to do that. I want you guys to you know talk to somebody and tell somebody because. You know, when I filed for divorce, everyone was surprised. They're mm. like, well, you're filing for divorce? Why? What's mm. going on? Because I hid it because I was so ashamed that, okay. you know, it's like I decided to marry this person. Obviously, it wasn't working out. You know, everyone was going to be disappointed in me. So, oh, I definitely shot people off. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just curious, what was your relationship with, like, with Tyler's family? 
His family is very interesting. Um, he didn't have a relationship with his mother, um, dating back to some you know really old childhood issues. Um, she kind of came around a little bit around the wedding, um, but after that, you know, she really didn't want to have anything to do with him again. And then, you know, his father's side. I mean, he was okay. It, it, you know, he Tyler wasn't very close to his family, whereas okay. I'm very close to my family. So again, it was very different. Okay. And did that create any kind of rift or tension between you and Tyler? Because you do have a good bond oh, yeah. with your family. Okay. Oh, yeah. He was jealous beyond belief. He was very jealous of that fact that we were all close. Um, you know, I mean, we would go to my parents' house on holidays and stay, you know, the whole day. And mm-hmm. then visit his parents for me, or his dad and stepmom for maybe like an hour. Mm-hmm. And that's it. But and, and, and again, it's like it's because... You know, Tyler didn't want to spend time with his dad. I mean, I really didn't want to, but, you know, I'm not going to say anything. I'm like, all right, whatever. So, you know, it's, he he tried to, you know, bond with my parents, and he was able to. Um, but my mom was still a little standoffish because she always had this thing where, you know, my friends tried to call her mom growing up, and she hated that. She was like, I'm not your mom. <laughs> so I think she tried it once, and she's like, I'm not your mom. Oh, so no, let's not so, get to work with yeah. me. No, no, no. We're not right. doing that. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, Megan, how soon after um, marriage and the whole honeymoon fiasco, how long was it between that time and the time you got pregnant? Oh, it was about, let me see, we got married in 2006. I got pregnant in 2010. So, oh, so you yeah, guys have been married for a minute then. Yeah. I mean, we didn't okay. get, you know, I didn't get pregnant right away. We, we got married, you know, we, we traveled a little bit and I switched careers. You know, I, I stopped working the nonprofit. I went to law school. Um, so yeah, still in a while. If, you know, if Tyler had his way, he would have gotten, we would have gotten pregnant right away. And I didn't want that. We actually didn't really want kids actually to begin with. Okay. <laughs> and, and yeah, so that, that changed, but yeah, I, I, it was, it was a while before I got pregnant. So I'm curious. So you are mm-hmm. 2006, you get married and right, right off the top, you realize that this is not a good decision that I made and you oh, stick yeah. with it. You stick with it for four years. Here it is, 2010. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it's not getting like wonderful roses and tulip fields. And you, you. decide you decide I'm going to get pregnant. How does right. that come about? What uh, is the thought process? What is the mentality behind that? <sighs> It's another cliche. <laughs> I, mean, I, I got pregnant to save my marriage. I mean, mm. oh well, how many times do we hear that? We roll our heads and shake our heads and we're like, oh, really? You thought that was going to work? I mm. thought it was going to work. Because he sold it to me. He sold mm-hmm. it to me very well. You know, he's like, I don't want to be like my parents. You know, I want to be there for our child. And, and you know, I, I mean, I'm not putting it all on him. Obviously, I wanted mm-hmm. a child, too. You know, I was willing to get pregnant, too. So, um, you know, I, I, I thought <laughs> we thought we were going to have a while before we got pregnant because, you know, it, my doctor's like, well, it usually takes six months. And, mm-hmm. and we got, you know, got pregnant on the first try. So that, oh, well. that was a shock. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, uh, that, that's the thought process behind that one. For sure. I was I was trying to salvage something. You're going to salvage this, this relationship. This baby is going to fix right. it, and we're going to be a wonderful husband and wife. Exactly. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm, sure, I'm sure that 
before this, you and Tyler had kind of been going around to friends and family. And it was probably well known amongst people who knew you guys well that kids were not really something that Megan really want I mean, oh, what is the reaction mm-hmm. to from friends and family when you're like hey i'm expecting <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i i have to tell you that that reaction from my friends and family is, is we can look back on it now and laugh um but my mom was definitely not happy she mm. was just, i mean i remember we went over to my parents house that night it was like a wednesday night and my dad was at a meeting somewhere and she was not happy and mm. and she was like, you know what, I'm going to tell your dad you guys should probably go. <laughs> like, oh, that didn't work out well. And then but all my friends were just like, you're pregnant? Really? What? <laughs> you wow. know, because they all knew me. So, I mean, obviously now, you know, now when my daughter's in the picture, we all love her, so that's why I was going to look back. But it, it was definitely, you know, not one of those, that's what, I'm pregnant, everyone runs up to me and hugs me. No, at all. Definitely right. They're like, what is right. this? So you're, you're, <laughs> right. since, you, since you mentioned that your, your family's very close, your mother and father, when you announced that you were pregnant, mm-hmm. at this point, since you guys are four years married, did they realize yeah. that mm, these two have something going on in their relationship? Maybe this baby is not the best thing for them at that time. Were, were your parents aware that you and Tyler were kind of on shaky ground? Nope. Because I never told them. My mom um, wasn't sure about the pregnancy because, well, number one, she, she thought that, you know, Tyler talked me into it, which he kind of did. But number mm-hmm. two, her main concern was that I was in my second year of law school. Okay. And so she's like, why, how, why did you even think this was a good idea when, you know, getting pregnant and having a baby in law school? And, of course, you know, nobody really knows what it's like have a child until you have mm-hmm. a child so of course I'm like oh she's due in December I'll take you know I'll take care of her during the break and you know I'll go back silly to little January. girl silly little girl oh <laughs> my know. gosh I know. like I said I was very naive <laughs> a lot of places you poor little lady no motherhood is not like that baby girl no 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 I know. <laughs> Oh, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just carry her with me to law school and I'll take it and it'll be fine. I can do I this. Like, We're fine. You know, I can take like four classes. Yeah, I can do this. Yeah. No. Oh, reality right. hits you hard, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Megan. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more Megan's story right after this. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Today I am with the author of Who Am I? How My Daughter Taught Me to Let Go and Live Again, Miss Megan Cyrileski. Before the break, we were discussing um, the decision to get pregnant and the response uh, from everybody, friends and family. And you did mention that you were also, you know, thinking you were like superwoman and you were going to do law school thing. <laughs> Um, but let me let me bring up the, law school. When you decided to mm-hmm. quit the nonprofit job and, and go to law school, right. was was Tyler supportive of this, of this decision? Um, yeah, okay. he was, he was supportive. I mean, we we my parents offered for us to move into my uh, late grandmother's house because um, okay. she passed in two thousand six, and you know they put it on the market after we cleaned it up, and you know it was during the recession and when you know real estate was. Kind of mm-hmm. on my list, so they let us move in for you know rent free, so I could go back to school. So everyone was very supportive of okay. that. Okay, 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, you guys had a lot of perks as a new couple. So, um, right. so the whole pregnancy thing and um, your daughter arrives into this world and uh, <laughs> the precious lady is Miss Madeline, right? Madeline. Yes. Madeline. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I remember that being a point of contention in the book, Tyler, I guess you guys were going back and forth and he couldn't even like bring himself to say her name. Um, you know, and I thought yeah. that was kind of, you know, like, a, um, you know, kind of an interesting little subconscious thing there. Uh, but the pregnancy thing, um, how was it for you? I mean, because you, you've got a lot going on. You're in law school. You've yeah. got this, this. You've got this marriage that is really emotionally abusive, and yeah. you're a new, you're a new mother when you didn't want to be a parent in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. wh- what is what is new motherhood like for you right after Madeline is born? Um, it was good for about four days. Four and days. And when yeah, and then when Tyler stopped getting up to take care of her in the middle of the night and, um, you know, and I wasn't getting any sleep, then it went downhill very quickly. Mm. Um, yeah. So two weeks after she was born, I couldn't handle it. And I moved in with my parents with Madeline, um, cause I needed help. You know, I didn't okay. have any help. Okay. So. so you moved in so mom and dad could kind of, you know, be there to emotionally right. help you and then just help with the whole, tr- the, the newborn process. Right, exactly. And, and, you know, I wasn't, at that point when I moved in with them, it wasn't a permanent thing. It was just, you know, I need some help here Mm -hmm. because, you know, I wasn't, you know, I had a C-section. I had an infection from the C-section, so I, you know, had to go back to the hospital like three days after she was born. So, you know, it's just a lot of, you know, I needed the help and I wasn't getting the sleep that my doctor said I needed to get because Mm -hmm. I wasn't sleeping during the night. And then, you know, during the day, uh, you know, it's like once once you become a mom, I mean, it's like you wake up when your child cries. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is, but there's a switch in the brain that it's there you like, go. boop, they're crying. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was hard to do that during the day. You know, mm-hmm. it's hard to sleep during the day. So um, I was just exhausted, uh, completely exhausted. And, you know, and, and that, you know, before I moved in with my parents, too, it was very weird because Tyler would come home from work and he wouldn't even hold Madeline. Mm. He wouldn't even come over and give her a kiss or anything. He would come home from work. You know, we'd talk and eat dinner while maybe I was holding her. She was in her swing. He'd go upstairs, you know, to the office, finish his work, and go to bed at, like, 7 o'clock. Hmm. And not once would he hold her. Not Yeah, there is a disconnect almost from the very beginning. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So when you decided, you know, I need some help um, and you move in with your parents to kind of get mm-hmm. through this process, did Tyler like spend nights over there, you know, trying to, I mean, because he's part of the adjustment process right. as well. So did, right. did he do any of that? No, he didn't. And he was offered to spend a night over there every night. And, you know, we knew it was kind of, okay, well, he works. Yeah. You know, so maybe even on the weekends, he could just stay the night, never stay the night, not even one time, not even on Christmas. Mm. I was like, no, come on, Tyler. I'm like, it's Christmas Eve, spend the night. No, mm-hmm. didn't even do that. I mean, it was, and then, you know, at first when I first moved in, he was, you know, coming over almost every day of the week. And that went downhill very quickly as well. Then it was just, Maybe one day during the week, maybe on Sundays. Mm. That was it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, did you ever go? I mean, because you said there was no intention to move into your parents' house right. permanently, it was just a transition. Did you ever go back 
to the house with you and Tyler to, you know, do the husband and wife thing? Or, you know, you when you yeah. moved into your parents' house, were you there permanently? I mean, was it a done deal? Right. No, it wasn't. And, you know, I, I uh, my doctor knew that I was having a hard time, so she recommended a therapist. And my therapist suggested, you know, going back home on the weekends and just have me and, you know, Tyler there on the weekends and just spend, you know, that time alone. And it would be good, you know, for me to get away from Maryland, you know, and, and for us to be together. And, it, you know, I remember the first weekend that I tried that, I, I just, I felt guilty about leaving Maryland with my parents because mm-hmm. I was like, no, this is my job. I should be over there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think the second weekend we tried it, you know, and, and at this point, Tyler was never coming over. So I remember we were we were sitting on the couch, and I was just like, you know, Tyler, I'm like, tell me the first thing you think of when you think of Madeline. And he goes, I hate being a parent. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And I was like, wow, she's like three weeks old at this point. Well, that's painful. Like, so, right. Oh, yeah. So after that weekend, I... I don't think we tried again on the weekends because, of course, then I had, you know, a lot of thinking to do. So I was like, oh, my God, like, I can't bring Madeline back here, at least right now. Mm-hmm. Um, feels this way. So, yeah, I mean, that just added to everything else that was going on. Oh, wow. So yeah. he's, say, he's saying, okay, you know, maybe I made a mistake. This parenting thing is not for me. Um, right. But But as things progress, is Tyler saying, like, I still want you, Megan, uh, maybe your parents can keep, I mean, is he ever trying to like, I want you guys to come home or I want you to come home or was he kind of fixed in the like, you stay over there and, and, you know, you do that and I'll make this work over here. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he wanted me to come home, but it wasn't because he wanted to be a family. I think mm-hmm. he wanted me to come home because like, like you said before, it was a very, emotionally abusive relationship and over my parents house he didn't have control over me okay so he wanted me to move back home so he could instill that control again okay um and that's why he wanted me to move back okay so let's see here you you you've been married now probably for pushing up on five years now at this time by the time madeline comes along and you're you're yeah. back home with at your parents' mm-hmm. house and adjusting to um, the new motherhood thing. Right. Uh, at some point in time, you file for divorce while you're at your parents' house, correct? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. What 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 is the the incident or what are the things that lead you up to yeah. saying, Megan, I need to do this? Um, there was actually, you know, I I remember, you know, it was a, it was a Thursday morning, and I called my doctor because I was having just this constant panic attack and it wasn't going away. And I called her. I'm like, I need some more Xanax. Give me some something. And Mm -hmm. she was like, you need to go to the hospital. She's like, you have postpartum depression. You need to go. So Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, what are they going to do for me at the hospital? But you know, I went, my dad took me and that's when, you know, they said for the first time, well, we're going to take you up to the mental health ward. (laughs) I'm like, whoa, wait a second. I don't need to go there. And, yeah. and again, like, that's one of the reasons why I wrote my book, because there is that stigma about seeking treatment in a hospital and in the mental health ward. And I have to say, you know, it was the best thing for me at that time because it Good. took me out of the situation into a neutral place um, where I was able to get some help. And I distinctly remember in group therapy, 10 strangers heard my story and they said, uh, Megan, you're in an emotionally abusive marriage. She's like, this is a domestic violence marriage. Like, mm-hmm. all of them. And I was like, no, I'm not. He just has anger <laughs> issues. That's fine. They're like, no, 
you're, you've been emotionally abused and you need to get out. And it's mm-hmm. so weird to me this day that it took 10 strangers in the mental health ward of the hospital to open my eyes mm. and say, no, you need to leave. So, you know, I got out of the hospital and uh, the day after I filed for divorce. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So while you were in the hospital, you're in the, the, the psych ward. I'm, I'm pretty sure your mother and father were supportive. It just seems like yes. that's their nature. But Tyler, mm-hmm. what was his what was his role when you were, uh, or how was he acting when you were in the hospital? Was he? He, vis- he visited one time the night that I um, went to the hospital. I was admitted, and he came with my dad. And there was an hour visiting, and for 50 minutes, my dad talked about Madeline because I was asking no questions, and he just Tyler stood there and didn't say anything. So mm-hmm. my dad left, giving us you know a little bit of privacy at the end there, and just Tyler, he just stood there and kept looking at me and wanting some control over me still and kept repeating, you know, you like this marriage. You like being married. Hmm. I was just looking at him like, what is this? You know, mm-hmm. and he's going, you know, he's like, I can take Madeline out of your parents' house at any time. Hmm. And I'm like, this isn't really helping. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, thank you. you I mean, what see where you're, where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. You're not so, being very supportive right now. Okay. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I was in the hospital for about five, six days, and that was the only time he came up to visit. My dad came every day. Hmm. Uh, he didn't come back again. Mm-hmm. Your husband comes to visit you one time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So if we needed any more indication, that was it. That was that was it. Pretty much. So you- you yeah. got 10 strangers who said, Megan, you know what? You need to hightail it out of this relationship. You get out the hospital and you file for a divorce immediately? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep, and what, when when you file for divorce, you know, because you have this man who just thinks he's Mr. It and he's got control over this woman and she's going to do whatever he says. Right. Tyler's response to, hey, I don't want to be with you anymore is what? <laughs> um, let's see. I, we filed, you know, I... I I went to the attorney on a Friday, and my attorney was like, don't tell Tyler that you filed for divorce because they needed to get the papers in the court. It's always, you know, from a law school or a law perspective, it's always good to be the plaintiff in a divorce so and the one to file first. So he didn't want me to say anything, you know, because it was kind of a race to the courthouse. So mm. I remember, you know, Sunday night, and I, I knew the papers were going to be filed in the courthouse first thing Monday morning. So I was like, okay, he's he's not going to be able to get an attorney. So we're sitting in the living room and he is sitting in the rocking chair with Madeline. And I looked at him and I was like, Tyler, I'm like, I filed for divorce. Mm. He rocked back a couple of times. And then he looked at me and said, how long do I have until I have to move out of the house? Mm. That, that was his response to me telling him I was divorcing him. Okay. So, all righty. Yeah. I just need to pack my bag and just let me know. And, yeah. All righty. Mm-hmm. Okay. No yeah. fighting for my marriage at all. No. The first thing he did was actually take all of his toys out of the house and drain our baby's house. Okay. Right. All righty. <laughs> so, Megan, if right. you needed any more clues, that was <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All righty. Okay. So, um, for you, um, and, and people will get the gist of this by reading your book. The divorce process was very volatile, very emotionally draining. Right. But I want to know exactly from filing divorce to actually being divorced, how long did that take you? Mm-hmm. Um, six months because it's, it's a statute in Michigan. There's a waiting period of six months. Okay. And, wow. and, and audience, let me tell you, in that six months, it seemed like it was six years of eternal oh, hell. Yeah. So let me, let me tell you, if you read the book, you will be, oh my God, this must be forever experience for her. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It yeah. Just, because, that was, go ahead. Well, you know, from reading the book, you know that, you know, I went to the mental health board a second time mm-hmm. right before the divorce was final because, you know, my postpartum was that I didn't feel I was a good enough mom. And Tyler knew that. He knew that that was my postpartum, how I felt. And at this time, you know, he was starting to date someone new who he actually is married to now. And they were exploiting that. I mean, they were sending me emails that said, you know, you are not a good enough mom. We're going to call, you know, Child Protective Services. Madeline's better off in foster care. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, they were exploiting that. Like, I mean, it, it led me back into the hospital for another week. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It's just amazing the story you went to. Um, yeah. Megan, we're going to take our final break of the day. And uh, when okay. we come back, we're going to wrap up everything and, and talk about where Megan's going uh, for the future. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Today I am with Megan Cyrileski, author of Who Am I? How My Daughter Taught Me to Let Go and Live Again. And um, we have had an emotional roller coaster ride today, uh, but we're at the divorce um, part of her story. Um, and you said it took you six months for the whole divorce process to go through um you know what what was it that made you say from the beginning of this process that i i'm going to sit down and and detail document this whole story i mean because you you wrote it i mean every little thing you wrote it down yeah um that was actually uh my brilliant attorney don mcginnis okay told me to keep a log he's like keep a log of everything that's going to happen because there are things that are going to happen. Because once the divorce was final, well, we still had, you know, child custody and child visitation to, you know, work through. So, yeah, so I don't know if Don, I mean, he's been in family law for 40 years. So I don't know if it's from experience or just, you know, just instinct. I don't know. But it was turned out to be a blessing to write okay. everything down because we needed it in court sometimes. So, Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you're over here. You're you're dealing with the new mom thing. I'm I'm about to do a divorce, you know, proceeding mm-hmm. with the man I've been with for the last, you know, five years. And I tell my husband, you know, this is not working. I'm I filed for divorce. And uh, how long was it before Tyler said I've got a new lady? Two weeks. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Go and, Tyler. Um, yeah. Go Tyler. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and it was really funny because my mom came over to the house because, you know, obviously, you know, it was my grandmother's house. And she came over one time and she saw one of my uh, a really awesome black cocktail dress hanging in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And she confronted Tyler and she's like, what is that? And he's like, oh, Megan must have come over and tried it on. And I'm like, yeah, because three months after giving birth, I'm going to kind of try a cocktail <laughs> dress. So apparently his new girlfriend likes playing dress up with my clothes. I don't know. He wants to say I don't have that black cocktail dress anymore. I know, right. Like cut that right. up into many pieces. So I'm assuming right. I'm assuming the person that and you said Tyler's now married uh, again, um yes. has the same personality traits as Tyler does. Oh, they are two peas in a pod. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. okay. Yeah. And this makes Tyler's the new person now that makes Tyler's second marriage? Uh, it makes his third marriage. He was okay. actually engaged one time, too. So Three marriage, and a possible. Three and a possible. Right. Okay. Right. 
All righty. So hopefully he gets it right this time if they don't kill each other with their toxic behavior. Well, actually, I think they're filing for divorce. So, yeah. Amazing. I'm not kidding you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 Right. Um, wow. I wasn't expecting that one. Right. How- yeah. That, that's. Yeah, because everyone's like, are you going to write a sequel? Because some of my friends know what's going on. Because when I ended the book, I ended it, you know, right, you know, after the incident that happened, you know, the parking lot. And, um, yeah, and there's so much more that happened after that. And my friends are like, you need to write a sequel. I'm like, oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> I don't no. know. I know. And, you know, you mentioned this incident. And, and right, right, let's yeah. say that all this time Tyler had been emotionally, verbally um, abusive right. to you in all these years. Um, but yeah. this incident that you're talking about um, mm-hmm. is probably one of the first times that he was physically abusive, correct? Right. And it was, you know, we we decided to, you know, he got his visitation finally, you know, with Madeline after a year and a half. He was finally able to take her for unsupervised. And my attorney said, well, exchange in the, in the police parking lot, which I guess, you know, is pretty common with couples. Mm-hmm. So we did. And, you know, we pulled up one Sunday for a visit and Madeline just started screaming right away. Like, mm-hmm. and she doesn't, she really doesn't scream. And it's like hyperventilating when she saw him. And I knew mm-hmm. something probably happened the last time he had her because he brought her back early. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is not good. So, you know, and I'm trying to calm her down. Well, all of a sudden, you know, he grabs her from me, you know, puts her in his car. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, what are you Mm -hmm. doing? So I try to go get her. That's when he put me in a chokehold, dragged me from his car, and Mm -hmm. held squeezed so tight I could, you know, literally feel, like, my air being cut off. Mm -hmm. And this all happened in a police station parking lot. So, and then... You know, I finally was able to get away. I was able to get Madeline. Well, you know, this time, you know, he's he's on the phone with nine one one, telling the nine one one operator that I attacked him. <laughs> I was like, oh goodness. So, and that that was his story. You know, we walked into the police station, and and the name, the saving grace was that the police officer said to me, he goes, well, you know, we do have video cameras in the parking lot. And I was like, good, watch them. And good stuff. Good the stuff. Thing to, yeah, they said the same thing to Tyler, and he's like, oh, let me change my statement. <laughs> So now right. that I think about it, maybe I was, right. uh, yeah, okay, okay. Right. So um, just curious, because I, I don't think you included that. What was the outcome of the the physical attack there? Um, is he allowed to be in a certain proximity to you at this point or no? Uh, well, we had a PPO that was in effect from July 2012 to July 2013, he stretched out the case so much that it wasn't settled until April 2013, and the incident happened in July of 2012. Um, so when the PPO expired in July of 2013, I thought he was going to come calling. Never heard from him. Hmm. This past April, yeah, this past April when his probation ended and I didn't hear from him, you know, I reached out to him and I said, hey, you know, I'm like, what do you want to do about visitation with Madeline? And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I knew he had to do anger management, court-ordered anger management beyond probation. But I'm telling you, it was like talking to the same Tyler from two years ago. Everything he got was my fault and, you know, blah, blah. And, and to sum it up, he doesn't have a relationship with Mal, and he hasn't seen her since she was 18 months old. Oh, yeah. That was going to so. be my next question. What is what is yeah. his relationship with her now? No, so nothing. you said he hasn't seen her since when? Since July of 2012. Yeah, she's 18 months. Wow. So, Yeah. And it's not, you know, I can't keep him away from her. You know, right now his parenting rights are suspended. 
because of the okay. CPL. Well, he has to go to court to get that suspension lifted, and he won't do it. Okay, wow. so I yeah. guess it's, it's, it's kind of safe to say at this point in the game that Tyler will probably not be an active participant in Madeline's life. No, and I was kind of hoping he would be, and for a couple months after his probation ended, I really tried to get him. However, there was a domestic violence incident between his wife and him, and he was actually arrested again for domestic violence. So mm. I, yeah, so at that point I was like, you know what, he can't be around that one. Mm-hmm. at all yeah so, i mean it's it's, yeah. it's probably best for her you know there's a lot of things right. she's just way too young to understand a lot of that stuff and she shouldn't have to go through that so mm-hmm. i mean as a parent we have to do what we we have to do to, to protect the well-being of our right. child so I totally understand um yeah. you know as we start to wrap up here i, w- I want to ask mm-hmm. you if you can if you can um mm-hmm. because you you know like i said in the beginning you're very you know intellectual woman you you know educated you come from a good family and all of that stuff um if you yeah. could say something to women um so that they uh, give them some tips or pointer to say you know maybe i'm going down the wrong pathway with relationships mm-hmm. what are some key indicators that a woman can look for to say you know what i need to hightail it out of this relationship as quick as possible yeah um so definitely um you know and i write the key indicators in my book I devote a whole chapter to it, but some some very, very obvious key ones are, number one, you know, little things that should be my new arguments suddenly turn into big ones. And they and it's not just about what you got mad at. You know, now it's like, you know, he's calling you names. Like, my ex used to call me worthless, a mm. joke, um, you know, just a whole bunch of names all the time and would cut down my self-esteem. So, you know... I mean, your spouse shouldn't be calling you names in the first place. Okay, sure. doesn't put that out there. But, you know, some, you know, things get said. I'm not saying I was a perfect angel either. Mm-hmm. But it's like when every argument turns into him making me feel that I was worthless and telling me how worthless I am, that's a strong indicator that, you know what, this is more than just an argument. This is, you know, this this is more than that. And, um, you know, I, I just want to, you know, tell women, tell any women out there that are listening, if, if you think you're in this situation or if you think you know somebody in this situation, the best thing to do would to not do what I did and talk to somebody. Find somebody that you can confide in and talk to them. If anything, if in your gut you feel that something may be off, talk to somebody. Don't hide it. Because that's what I did. And obviously that method did not work very well. Because my family my friends all said, if you would have come to us sooner, we would have helped you. Yeah, you and, wouldn't have had to yeah. go on through that as long as you have, have went through that. Right. Yeah, okay. so definitely, you know, any woman out there, you know, don't be ashamed of having, being in this relationship or what have you, can get out. Just, you know, don't be ashamed to talk to anybody. That's what that's what your friends and family are there for. They're there to support you. Good stuff, good stuff. Good pointers, good mm-hmm. pointers. Well, Miss Megan, we are at the end yeah. of the hour. Um, it always goes so fast for me, especially it when does. I've got an interesting <laughs> story like yours today. Um, <laughs> my guest today has been Megan Cyrileski. Uh Please visit her website at, uh, and let me spell this, Megan, C-Y-R-U-L-E-W-S-K-I. Dot com. That's where you'll find a way to pick up the copy of the book. Is it out yet? It's pre-released. Um, the, the release date is this Saturday when it will come out in all formats, ebook. You know, right now it's just in paperback, but yeah. Okay, so, so that's the way to, yeah. you know, get in touch with her and pick up the book, Who Am I? How My Daughter Taught Me to Let Go and Live Again. Megan, it has been such a pleasure with uh, being with you today, and I wish you all the best. 
Thank you so much. It was a great interview. I love talking to you. Thank you for having me. Likewise, dear. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, when, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There is always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I will see you all next week. <laughs>